Welcome back to Don't Caught a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. We're starting a new book today. We're starting The Dragonbone Chair by Tad Williams. This is this is the next installment into our Summer of Swords. And we have read up to part two. So we just figured out why this fits very well into our Summer of Swords. But Dan, I want to get warmed up mm-hmm. because I see I see a new addition to your background. Uh yeah, Luke, we're we're officially part of the Velvet Couch Club now. <laughs> Luke, we joined we joined the Velvet Couch Club this week. Um and we're pretty stoked about it. I I bet it's a real big splash of color in your background that yeah. I that I love. Yeah, big red velvet couch. It's it's excellent. And I sh- I guess it's a sofa. I don't know all the different words for I have things no idea like what this. The difference between a it was it was advertised things. as a sofa, and okay, I, th- I think it'd be fun because this is not, I did not go out and buy a new velvet sofa, folks. You know, your boy is on is on Craigslist twenty four seven, and that's Craigslist is my social media of choice, actually. Um, right. I it was kind of interesting picking up this this sofa from the person. So, okay. I kind of just want to tell the tale because it was actually yeah. like a saga that happened. I mean, buying a velvet couch for one thing is an interesting move and doing it over Craigslist. I, I don't know. It's it, I, I'm interested to hear it. Yeah. Let me let me tell you the tale. OK, so here's how it happened. Right. I saw this posted on Craigslist and they wanted it picked up. I saw this on Thursday night. It was can I, can I ask first? Yeah. Did you search Velvet Couch? No. So what I like to do with Craigslist is just look at everything that was posted in a day and see what okay. what people are selling. And I saw it <laughs> and was so hype. I saw it day it was posted. Okay. Wait, wait. So you were not looking specifically for sofas? Nope. Okay. It's like, honestly, everything about this story is like, it's like magic. It's like a miracle that I ended up with this couch. It's it's incredible, okay? Because okay. so I'm not looking for a velvet couch. I see this velvet couch posted on Craigslist and I'm like, "Yes, please." And then mm-hmm. I, they're they're asking like 200 bucks for it and I was like, "Easy, done. $200." Yeah. Okay. So I I on the ad, they had a phone number you were supposed to text to like communicate about getting the couch they wanted somebody to pick it up friday morning earlier the better and so thursday night i texted the phone number and was like hey i can totally pick it up friday morning can you do 150 bucks you know because i like to you gotta haggle a little bit dan's a haggler yep all right so i didn't hear anything back from them all day friday nothing and i was like huh and in the ad, they're clearly trying to move. So I could tell I could maybe kind of get them down a little bit because they wanted somebody to just get this couch out of their apartment, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. All Friday, I hear nothing. But I'm still thinking about this couch. I'm like, man, I really would love to get that velvet sofa. Let me just let me just send a quick email, right? And so through Craigslist, you can send an email, all right? Yeah. So I send an email, and the person responds to the email and is like, hey... Uh, yeah, the couch is still available. Just text me for more information. And Luke, the number that they responded with was different by one number. Ooh. The phone number they responded with was 
was wrong or was correct, whereas the one on the Craigslist ad was wrong by one number. Like they clearly had put the number in wrong on the ad. Oh, they did a typo. They did a typo. And so I texted the new number and I was like, hey, is the couch available? Can I pick it up soon? And at this point, it's like 9 p.m. on Friday. Okay. It's like getting close to late at night on Friday. And they're like, yeah, but you have to look at it tonight. You have to come tonight because it's going into storage. If you don't come, pick it up tonight. And I was like, oh, boy. And so my partner is like in bed in her pajamas. And I was like, hey, hey, honey. Um, so there's this super cool sofa that I would love to get. Can you, help, cool. can you help me load red, it into it's, my car? It's red velvet. Didn't mention red. it was red velvet right away. Okay. I didn't lead with that. Okay. All right. So she begrudgingly <laughs> helps me, which shouts out. Um, <laughs> so we get in the car. Oh, no, no, no. We don't get in the car yet. Because then this person who I'm getting the couch from is like, uh, I told them that I only had $100 cash and it's too late for me to go to the bank. Right. I got to take advantage of the fact smart, they're waiting until move. 9 p.m. to get back at me about this couch. Right. So I was like, I can't go to the bank. And she was like, OK, fine. Yeah. $100 is fine. And I was like, sweet. 50 percent off. OK, pretty good. <laughs> so I'm we're, we're on the way. We're driving to the pick up the couch. And it for sure is not going to fit in the back of my car. There is no way it's going to fit. But I'm wishing it. I'm just like manifesting that we're going to be able to get the couch back to my my house. After we pick it up. So we pull up to this apartment and uh, it's a three-story apartment building. Ooh. Now, it's not the worst. Okay. It's only on the second floor. Um, okay. Doorway is pretty narrow. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's a bit of a struggle getting it out. Uh, we pay. This person is like moving and uh, yeah, just trying to get rid of everything, essentially. Super cool lady. Um, and... <laughs> As we're getting it, like, out the door of the apartment, she was like, people kept emailing me asking what phone number to text. And I was like, if you can't read a Craigslist ad, you can't figure out a GPS to get to my apartment. How are you going to figure out <laughs> how to get the sofa out of my apartment? And she's going on this rant about people asking her for the phone number all day. And I'm just kind of, like, lifting the couch, like, uh-huh. Mm, oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> crazy that's so crazy wow wow and i'm just like cackling in my mind because i'm like you think they're stupid come on check your ad oh boy so dan has dan has jumped ahead of literally thousands of people who are screaming to get this couch because literally thousands yeah definitely thousands of people and they just I guess weren't as wily. They didn't have as good business sense as I did. Well, you 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 had a good email. I did. I did have a very email, good email. Writing a good email is a key skill. I mean, I've, I'm I'm pretty familiar with the Craigslist rodeo, so I know how to do it. All right. So as I mentioned, clearly does not fit in my car. Okay. Can, can, can I can I back you up for a second? Yeah, let's back I, up. What was your partner's reaction to seeing that it was a red velvet couch? Okay, Pure delight. So, we were talking about it on the way over there. Okay. And it, so it eventually did come out that it was a red velvet couch. Eventually. Dan was trying to hide the information. Well, because, because it was a struggle, I had to I had to do some convincing 
to go get it, right? It wasn't like immediately like, yeah, I'm so excited to get up out of bed and help you move this couch. So I had to kind of... Surprisingly. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, So it did come out that it was red velvet. Uh, I think when we saw it, more on board, actually. Okay. Because it's hard to tell from the picture on Craigslist if it's like actually nice or not. And it's like... It's kind of nice. I kind of like it. It looks good. I like... I picture it in the lobby of like an old-fashioned, like opera theater or something. I'll I'll say it's very it, it pops in that room. It's nice. I really like it. And so yeah, eventually you know we we got on board with the red velvet couch. We're driving it mm-hmm. back. It does not fit in the back of my car, by the way. Okay. At all. But I brought a strap. You always got to bring a strap. always bring a strap so couch is strapped uh back of my car is totally open um and you know we're taking surface streets the issue is in birmingham right now the world games are happening so a bunch of streets are closed right very fun bunch of streets are closed though so and it's not on google maps which streets are closed so we're like we have this huge couch hanging out the back and we hit a police blockade. And it's like, okay, we got to do a U-turn and try and get around this. So we're, we're driving. There's like trains that are going through Birmingham in the middle of the night. And we are like stopped at a train track for a while and have to turn around. It was a quite a quest to get it back to the, uh, the house after picking it up, but we made it. Uh, and now it's in my office. I'm glad. We, we we spent it we spent a good day yesterday cleaning it because it was um it was a bit dirty i'll say it hadn't been cleaned in a while but now it shines it shines in here it does shine i i i really appreciate that you followed through i mean come and i on, do Luke. i do like that we've done two warm-ups now on velvet couches i mean this is what I'm. This is what I'm bringing every week to this show. Luke is commitment. Right. All right. I'm here. I'm talking about a velvet couch. I'm not just gonna let that go. Okay. Right. That's an opportunity. Our listeners Dan are does not bluff. No, our listeners are depending on us to follow through. <laughs> so I did it. We sent the book to LeBron. We did it, Luke. We, we do did. things. We, we we did we did send the book to LeBron. He will be. Signing it and sending it back. We're working on the Aragon reboot. We do things, Luke. We right. do things. This is correct. Yeah. Stickers coming soon. They are coming soon. Um, but okay, okay. Let's 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 leave it there. Let's get back to the book. But I am I, my my experience is just heightened by being able to see it in the background of your video. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy and thankful for that. Um. <laughs> It adds some class to the show. <laughs> to the show, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, but let's do the Dragonbone Chair. A third of the way through. That's that's through part one. Um, let me let me do a quick little like vibes check mm-hmm. on the book. I I go back and forth because the way that I read this was I kind of put it off mm. until. We were at the deadline of, of recording. <laughs> and so I had to read a lot. And I will say it's kind of a long section. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it 
felt unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was also kind of trying to, trying to hit a deadline here. And we get a lot of Simon having trouble with the same things over and over again. <laughs> uh, Simon, come on, bud. So, so this most, I'm jumping ahead chronologically, yeah. but we can move back later. This most recent section. You mean in the, the darkness? The last, yeah, where he's walking <laughs> through the darkness is like, I, I don't know, 25 minutes of me reading this, <laughs> which to be fair, I think that the ending scene that we get which is very intense, right. maybe heightened because of the lead-up to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- this is why I go back and forth. I'm not sure if I'm glad that it was extremely slow leading up to that or, or, or could have used a quicker pace. Yeah, I will say, like, okay, obviously there's a lot of thematic stuff that's happening with our character, like, literally walking through darkness and entering the light and like beginning their quest, like leaving this castle that they've always known their whole life and going through this dark, like you could almost have a parallel to like pre-birth time and like being birthed out into the world. And so there's a lot of like, like cool literary stuff that's happening there, but like Mm -hmm. reading about it, it needed to, it was like two, like 20 pages too long. I feel like it's two things. It's like, okay, I don't know where the editor was. Um, and also, Simon, just take a quick nap. <laughs> like, it wasn't that long, Simon. You didn't die of dehydration. So, like, I get it. Being in absolute pitch dark is terrifying. And what I think is interesting is... So, there is a phenomenon when you're in absolute darkness where your mind will, like, hallucinate seeing things because there's, like, literally Mm -hmm. no sensory input. And so, I think the fact that Simon, like, is potentially hallucinating a lot of weird imagery is cool because he's, like, in pitch blackness. So, it's cool that he's, like, potentially hallucinating all this stuff. But also, what does it matter, folks? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was kind of starting to hallucinate stuff. (laughs) as a reader okay then it's working i think it's working it did it did it did bring me in i think if i had been less of like oh, i gotta get this reading done before i talk to dan then maybe i could have i could have enjoyed it more but um i don't know i just wanted to get to the sword we, we got to the sword we're it's the it's the summer of swords so we needed that but mm-hmm. um should we should we jump back to earlier yeah let's jump way back to like the beginning ish Mm-hmm. I think a lot of this is going to be about Simon because he's definitely the main our main character. Right. I want to start with just a Simon. Mm. Simon holds himself in such high regard on like with like no completely unwarranted. And the example that I want to bring here is he is hanging out with the doctor, Dr. Moraganis or Mor- Moraginez or however we want to say that. Mm-hmm. He's hanging out with the doctor early in the book and Inch comes along and he's like, God, I can't believe Inch is the one working with the doctor. Inch is a complete idiot. Why does he get to work with the doctor all day? But I don't. And he's like bad mouthing Inch the whole time. 
And it's like, dude, you didn't even remember to bring the broom to do the job that you were tasked with doing. What? You have literally no ground to stand on. Why are you? How can you call Inch a complete idiot when you like everyone constantly is like dragging you for not doing your job? Everyone's constantly like, God, Simon, you can't do anything right. And because he literally can't. He literally can't do anything right. And he's like, God, but Inch is such an idiot. Yeah. The Inch one especially because, like, I'm sure that Inch, based on the way he's described, is, like, justifiably being, like, criticized. But I agree that Simon is not the one to do it because literally this book has been kind of frustrating because, like, you're reading from the perspective of a boy that can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. And I don't trust it. Whenever I'm reading it and something is about to happen, I do not trust Simon to do even remotely close to the correct thing. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, Simon, I, I don't... Sometimes he does have self-awareness, but a lot of the times it's like, buddy, you got some work to do before you can start criticizing my guy inch i don't know if we're gonna go with my guy inch uh i'm not gonna go that far i just think like simon okay i'm glad you said that because reading this section focusing on simon as our main character has been pretty frustrating for me as well just because he acts so childish a lot of the time when clearly he's like Mm -hmm. 15 like Right. He's like a person that should be figuring out how to do things, like transitioning into adulthood. And he's clearly like, he's acting like he's six. He's like messing around, going to find frogs when he needs to like be doing a job. Like other people are depending on him to do stuff. And he's just like making everyone's lives way harder. And it's like, I can't sympathize with you here. I'm sympathizing with the dragon because do your job. Do one job, please. (laughs) Right, right. It is, he is genuinely, it seems, doing more harm than good. Correct. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, way more harm than good, actually. Right, right. She's like, go sweep a staircase. And he comes back, doesn't sweep, and is like, all of his clothes ripped up and dirty. And he's like, he's like, come on, Simon. He's like, sorry, I also destroyed all of the banners that were hanging up on that staircase. And uh, I went in the moat and there's a bunch of mud everywhere now. And uh, sorry. At one point, he knocks over a suit of armor and just like shoves it under the rug. Yeah, yeah, he does. And his and his one thing, the one thing that he cleans is like around the suit of armor so you can't tell that one spot was less dusty than the other. And it's like, God, come on. <laughs> and, okay, because mm, the other thing about this, which is frustrating, there's like, okay, I'm having a hard time finding any redeemable quality to Simon at first, like before he has like kind of undergone this transformation because like he's finding out all this secret shit Right. He's finding out all this stuff because he's like sneaking around Mm -hmm. and he's telling no one about it. 
I guess he tells the doctor a little bit right at the end when he's like, oh, hey, I found the guy we're all looking for. But until that point, he's like hearing things that are kind of important and seeing people running around that like maybe shouldn't be there. And he's just like, I better keep that to myself. Like if he was okay, if he was telling like a responsible adult about this stuff, then I would be like, "Okay, your sneaking is kind of helpful. Like it actually is kind of doing some good here in the castle. Sure, sure. He's um, not. I mean, okay. The one thing, though, what one of the big ones that I feel like you're talking about is there's like a a small. I forget if it's a boy or like a actual just small man mm-hmm. that he's seen around a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I like, I I actually don't know if that's worth reporting. I. Mm. Because, like, I think the only time that maybe is when he's in the church and he's, like, hiding behind a ta- tapestry. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, well, s- that's the exact same thing that Simon was doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, do... Yeah, okay. Is it just another boy that's, like, that's, that's doing having, Simon things? That's doing, apparently there's a whole gaggle of these Simon boys running around, which is why everyone gives Simon so much slack. <laughs> they're like sure simon destroyed that suit of armor but at least he didn't burn half the castle down like this other kid so let's give him a job okay. but then like later he just like sees him in the street and the guy the kid like ducks into another room or something like that and it's like well i i don't know if i should care about this dude yet okay that's fair enough uh but like there's plenty of other instances where simon sees secret schemes pretty good alliteration oh alliteration Uh, love that and he just doesn't he's just scared or uninterested and doesn't do anything about it like Mm -hmm. uh, mm, he's just very childish and i think it's frustrating to read about someone who's very childish and like other people are expecting him to be able to do things yeah yeah, looking looking forward to when I can actually like Simon. Uh, we'll see. We'll it's gonna see. it's gonna take quite we'll a see. bit, I think. Like, oh, mm. <laughs> this is gonna be a Simon heavy episode. I think. I think we need to start with Simon, and then I have I have more stuff to do later. Okay. Because it's not just that Simon is incompetent. It's not just that he doesn't tell people these secret things he sees. It's also that he's, like, kind of harmful in a, in a sick way. Like, he claims, he claims that this bird nest just, like, fell out onto the ground and he is saving these birds. No, that's not what he were doing. He admits it later. He's like, actually, the bird nest, I climbed up and just grabbed it because I wanted these little birds. You're a psycho, right. Simon. Like... People need to start saying no to you. Like, when you show up at the doctor's house with these birds, he needs to just be like, put it back. What are you doing? Right. The birds and the frogs from earlier. Right. No, don't just, like, steal wild animals and bring them to me out of their natural <laughs> habitat. No, put them back. You can you can look at them. You can use your eyes, okay? But don't catch them and then bring them to me and be like i brought you frogs to do experiments on now yeah now tell me a story because you owe me 
I don't, man, he's like, he's not great. And like, I think he's kind of enabled by the people around him. Like people aren't saying no to him enough when I think they right, really need to be. Th- there's, there's a lot of like endearing smiles when he like does something that, that is probably really annoying. Right. But he's too like cute when he does it or something. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I agree with you for sure. For sure. Um, especially because the like, some of the animal stuff is presented as like again kind of cute and like oh he's a kid having fun and he loves animals it's like well I, he's not like saving an injured bird and nurturing it back to life that's not the thing that's happening uh-uh nope so it's he's injuring the birds <laughs> correct he's making the bird's life worse he's interested in animals in the sense that they're just like part of the world for him to do whatever he feels like it's kind of like psycho shit it's kind of like kid doing experiments on the neighborhood pets kind of shit like it's like this the psycho stuff without the actual like hurting the animals yeah but he's like one step away he brings some frogs to a doctor who's like who knows what he's gonna do with these frogs right here i brought you frogs do your weird thing with them i don't know what it is (laughs) I don't really care, though, because they're just objects to me. It's a fair criticism. It's, mm, it's, and, okay, this relates to, to another thing that I want to talk about with Simon. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I think we're going to have a little bit more room here for, for some discussion. Because uh, I recognize I've been just ranting a lot of this episode about Simon. <laughs> Simon watches this evil wizard murder a dog. Mm-hmm. Just sees it happen, and he's, like, terrified, as I think we all would be. Yeah. Then the doctor, Morganis, is telling Simon, hey, that Puriat guy, or whatever his name is, Priat, he's crazy. And Simon's like, wait, really? There's something wrong <laughs> with him? He's, like, crazy? Why do you need this confirmed, Simon? Why do you why is this a question for you? Yeah. I mean Okay, okay. So so let's back up and describe what happens, right? Cuz Simon is is a is a is a wine is like bringing wine at this party and there's a little dog that's following him and up at the main main table the dog has followed him there and the I, f- I forget his name too. The super evil priest just like stomps on the dog's spine and then stomps on his skull and then Simon like I think it's described as Simon is like horrified and then Simon goes and throws up. Right. Yeah. Yep. So like he recognizes that this is like way out of bounds uh-huh. of a thing to do. <laughs> right. And he also talks about like how the dude's eyes are terrifying in some way. Yeah. Here's my worry considering he did not recognize that this dude was like evil and crazy is that like this is not that strange of an event to happen oh uh oh i mean Mm. it seems to be that strange based on his like physical reaction right Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then when he goes and talks to the doctor, he's like, I kind of thought that I didn't like him. But now you're telling me he's crazy and evil. I'm not sure. Mm. Which makes me worry that there's that there's acts of this type fairly regularly. Okay. That this is something, it's not that abnormal for him. Right. I mean, maybe it's like, on like on the extreme side of things but it's like within within one or two standard deviations of what other people are doing like this is horrific but he also saw rachel the dragon murder a rat and put it in the stew several weeks ago and right because they were just like you know it was gonna go in anyway and they needed a little bit of extra something something in there (laughs) and i think this goes along with the idea of Simon being a nice little boy who also, like, takes birds out of trees. Somebody who has, like, no conscience. So, well, no, I'm saying, like, Simon is the one that treats animals really well. And that includes, like, stealing frogs and birds out of their natural habitat. Uh So we've shifted the window... To where, like, that activity, which you and I would consider bad, is now good. And then so, like, stomping on a dog is now still on the bad side of things, but it's not too far. <laughs> uh, okay, I love that we've shifted the window. And now I kind of am on board. Where there's a lot of... the In this universe, we do a lot of terrible shit to animals. And so Simon's stuff is actually good. Because if he left those birds there you know this evil wizard would fly up one night and, like, start biting their heads off. <laughs> Someone would. Right. right. If not this wizard, then, I don't know, somebody in the castle would do it, yeah. And I have I, I have actually another note that's... That, actually, this is perfect, okay? Because one of my notes is talking about a meal that the count, whatever count is eating okay this is the, this is when simon and his friend go up to try to join the the guard yes did you note this i don't have this note no okay um they he says that what was on the count's plate shows that he was eating it was the bony remnants of a meal of small birds that is word for word what was on my guy's plate and so what kind of meal is that Okay, Luke, hold on, because there's two options here, and we need to we need to make sure we're covering our our asses with this, because okay. Simon doesn't know a lot, so maybe mm-hmm. when he thought that this pile of bones came from a lot of small birds, in fact, he's looking at a plate of bone-in chicken wings, and he doesn't recognize the fact that they're all just chicken wings, dude. So it's like. It's not a bunch of small birds. It's just like a big bird that they only have the chicken wings in. So that's one option, is that Simon doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And the other option, which is that Simon does know. Ooh, boy. Well, Luke, here's the thing. We never saw what happened to those birds once they got put in the cage again. I Okay. Right. I want to point out that I did re- read that the wizard or the doctor, when he was sending off messages, took some birds out of a cage tied a thing to them and sent them off. I don't think mm-hmm. it's confirmed those are the same birds. I mean, it's not confirmed, no. So we don't know what happened to those birds that Simon harvested. And I'm using the <laughs> word harvested there intentionally. 
Right. I mean, maybe there's just like a small bird. I don't want to call it like a farm. Like a ranch. It's just weird to be eating like... Okay, let's assume let's assume that it's not chicken wings and it's just like a bunch of small birds, which for for some reason is really way worse to me. I don't yeah, I actually now worse. that I think about it, don't really know why it's worse, but I mean, just like the way that this is described is like why why are you eating small birds? You got to kill a lot of small birds. It's for the opulence of it, Luke. It's a less extreme example. And here we're going to have a callback to a book that we've read previously in Red Rising, where the golds mm-hmm. are eating the hummingbird tongues or whatever. And we, yeah, it's the same idea, right? Except I will argue there's a little bit of a difference here because if you're eating a bunch of small birds, somebody has to take the time to pluck all of those small birds, which is why we don't eat small birds just in our world because right. you have to pluck all the feathers off and then it's like oh great one nugget it took you an hour to pluck one nugget i would like a 12 piece yeah. please there's there's a, there's a level of like intentional cruelty of eating a bunch of small birds i think yes i think intentional cruelty is a good way of putting it for sure yeah and like i guess wealth in the oh man also, it's important. I think intentional cruelty is a great way of putting it because this is also a time when, ooh, okay, hold on. Actually, I'm. this is forming right now in my brain. This is also a time where there's a huge drought going on and everybody is like right. dying. So there's two options here. The first option is this Lord is terrible and is getting like taking advantage of people with super low wages right now to pluck a bunch of tiny birds because he's like, I've always wanted to eat a bunch of tiny little birds, but I could never afford it. That's one option. The other option is, this is kind of a desperation thing. Like these, they can't afford, like they don't have chickens that are alive anymore. So they're just kind of like eating mice and rats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe. Because his- I don't know, though, because, like, in the scenes where Simon is visiting the kitchen a lot, there doesn't seem like there's a ton of scarcity in terms of, like, food. Yeah. I, I do realize that there should be. They are in the king's castle, though, right? Right, it- but, I mean, the guy, that, the, the, the guy that's in the scene that I'm talking about is also, like, high up. You're right. I agree. Hmm. Well, I mean, maybe he's a better guy than we give him credit for, though. Because his reasoning, his reasoning why he can't take them, partly is like, yeah, you're weak. Which, totally accurate, honestly. Yeah, very fair. Very fair, or very fair assessment. But also, he says he can't afford to, like, pay them. Like, he can't afford to bring them on. Mm -hmm. And so maybe this dude is eating small birds because he's like, yeah, I eat like my men do, and all they can afford right now are like birds that they catch out in the street. So yeah, I'm eating right. three pigeons for dinner or like three sparrows for dinner. Let's say that three sparrows. But that's sure. because I'm, sure. I'm connected with my men. I do appreciate that he's not, he's not doing like unpaid internships because that's, oh my God. that's kind of taking advantage of free labor. Right. Is this, is this guy kind of cool actually? Well, 
Because they didn't ask to be paid, right? They didn't show up and say, well, this is what we would like for our salary. He could have been like, all right, how about, I don't know, a nickel a day. Would you do it for a nickel a day? Because they would say yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he knows he could take advantage of the romanticized war effort that's going on right now. He could take advantage of the fact that they had this big tournament celebrating the martial abilities of young men and be like, yeah, you can be our, you know, training buddies for a nickel. Sure. But instead, he takes them seriously and is like, I can't afford to pay you what a soldier deserves to be paid. Mm-hmm. So I can't mm-hmm. take you on. This is a good point. This is a good point. Yeah. Because there is, he does seem to have a minimum wage that he's sticking to. I mean. Honestly, honestly, you've, this has been a wild ride. Um, I do think that the, that we're not going to be able to learn if he's a good guy because I think he's the one that just got sacrificed. I also think he did just get sacrificed, which is tough. It is tough. And it also seems like he may have been involved in imprisoning the prince. It also seems like he may have been a part of that scheme. Yeah. But <laughs> there's a lot of propaganda flying around. I could totally see somebody with good intentions being convinced that the prince is a traitor who's going to try and kill the king. Right. And like that. Yeah. That, the king is even afraid of that because there's like, it's a hereditary thing. And so like there is incentive for the younger brother to kill him. So, you know, maybe, maybe he's a good guy. I think there's some evidence here that he's a good guy. I, I agree. And I'm, I'm glad that we're giving him the benefit of the doubt. Um, and, and we, as we got there, from from our discussion of, of animal rights it's important uh, <laughs> real quick luke because we're talking about food mm-hmm. there is an insane food choice uh in this book and i'm i'm surprised this wasn't what you brought up when you wanted to talk about food okay and this is about simon again mm-hmm. simon's at the doctor's house and he's getting a little hungry the doctor's like, oh, I've got some food. Hang on. Do you remember what the doctor pulls out in this first meeting with Simon? I don't remember. Doctor pulls out a chunk of bread and, drum roll, a raw onion. Yes, I do remember this now. And yep. do you know what Simon eats? I mean, he just, he eats the onion raw, right? Simon just takes a bite out of the onion. Yeah. That... Are they pranking him? Like, is the doctor pranking him because he knows he'll eat whatever? Is this one of these kids that'll eat anything if you just, like, make it seem like it's normal? And so he's like, what if I got an onion? Will this kid eat an <laughs> onion? He does. There's no, like, there's no emphasis placed on it. It's either. just like he's eating an apple or something or a munching on a right. carrot. But he just takes a bite out of a raw onion. I feel like there's 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 a couple examples. I feel like this happens multiple times, honestly. He's eating... Okay, the issue is he's also eating normal stuff. So it's not like he just has, like, whack taste where he's like, no, I'm really right. into, like, weird and different sensations. He, like, ate a sweet roll. <laughs> right. It. I can't with this kid. I can't. So okay, so are, are you are you on the side that eating an onion still is not normal in this world, and they were just like it's 
it's Simon that's eating the onion. Yeah, I, I, okay. I think the doctor is a weird guy, but we already know the doctor is a weird guy because he's kind of a wizard. And so I think he's, he's like eccentric, right? I think he's just pulling out literally whatever he has. And it's literally just a loaf of bread and an onion. And like, I imagine if that's me and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I really needed to go to the grocery store, but at least I've got like a little chunk of bread we could have. And I've got the onion in my other hand. I'm not expecting Simon to grab it and be like, oh, sweet, an onion. Thanks. Right. Was, you're, you're, you're like, I, I, th- my normal sandwich is like, you know, bread, onion, some cucumber, maybe some, maybe some, maybe some cold cuts. Bit of mayo, tomato. Tomato. Delicious. Tomato. But all he's got yeah, is an onion. I, I don't, I don't have that right now. Right. And he doesn't get to the part where he's like, sorry, I don't have more because Simon is already taking a bite out of a raw onion. I don't even think he peeled it. <laughs> I don't even think he washed it. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. This Simon kid, yeah. he... God. He's a mess, okay? He he is he is a mess. Especially, like, you have... You have a lot of access to the kitchens. Literally turn around, walk for two minutes, and you can eat anything other than an onion. This is the king's kitchen, and you're eating a raw onion. It's a tough... This whole this whole section is just a tough look for Simon, like, constantly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I do want to come back to... We were talking about the count, like rejecting them for mm-hmm. being. I don't know if it was a, a, an actual like soldier or if we're distinguishing between like guard versus soldier. But for one thing, I do want to say, of course, do not hire them. <laughs> Makes total sense. No. Um, but also, maybe this is something that we should that 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 should come up in a lot of books. But being a guard just seems like a bad job. And I get why someone like Simon might want it. Mm-hmm. But like he walks through this, this, these streets and like the people that he sees that are working are like standing at a door and like letting them in after doing a fairly poor job. Right. And then the people that are off duty are just like upstairs drinking mm-hmm. and like yelling at girls right right it's like simon you have a job where you can like get whatever food you want in the kitchens you don't really have to do anything because people let you do whatever you want you get to like hang out with the doctor all the time don't do it don't try to be a guard yeah yeah it's yeah, and he is warned about that, right? He is warned you're either going to be drinking with nothing to do or fighting and dying in like a conflict. Those are right. neither of those are good options. And I want to say that they're missing the third option, which is that you are being the enforcement arm of the state in a potentially mm-hmm. dire economic situation where you're like turning away starving people from or, or you're or you're burning a city to get rid of the plague or you're like stealing sheep from from people just trying to do their jobs both of which happen in this 
right. in this section. Right. You were, we're forgetting the mental damage here that you can incur as a guard where you just like are ordered to do something that could be horrible and you just have to do it. I'll say this. Um, in another note against Simon, mm. which there's a lot, we're doing a lot of these. In this section, he's walking by and there's a girl that walks by and all the uh, soldiers grossly catcall her. Yeah. And Simon like stares at her and fully turns around to watch her walk away. Yeah. And it's like, dude, come, come on, buddy. Simon is just a less confident version of the soldiers. It's yeah. not like, it's not better that he doesn't catcall because if he felt more sure of himself, he probably would. It's just that he's a sadder version of them. Because he does this with like a bunch of girls. Like he does this with so many girls that are in the castle. There's the one that he's like obsessed with that he's like constantly yeah. staring at her and like objectifying her. And like when he gets the opportunity to say anything to her, he's like, I like your hair. I think your hair is pretty. It's like there's more to this woman than her pretty hair. And if you Honestly, knew her at all, you could maybe learn what that is. Honestly, at first, when I when I was first reading this story, this um, yeah, this event where he talks to this girl, I was I thought that she was being insensitive at first mm-hmm. because it's like this 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 little boy clearly has a crush on you, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm dating this hot dude, and we're gonna get married." Shut up, Simon. But now. I feel like it's probably her setting boundaries. Oh, absolutely. It's the I have a boyfriend, please stop kind of yeah. vibe here. Especially when yeah. it's it's easy to remember or it's easy to forget that Simon is big. Like mm-hmm. Simon is a fairly large person. Tall. I think he's very skinny, but he's very tall. He's tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tall, for sure. Um, and so like this could be kind of intimidating for this quiet man to come up to a like a housemaid and start being like hey your hair is really pretty right like right i I feel like this was very much her being like hey i have a boyfriend and he's a soldier and could beat you up so like leave me alone right and and the fact that she is like laughing it off is potentially like okay there's two angles to this conversation we only get it from simon's perspective Right. And Simon is interpreting it as like she's being friendly with him. Yeah. But it could also be she's being friendly with him because she doesn't want to like trigger an angry response from him if she says something he doesn't like. So there is an undercurrent here that's like, Simon, you got to think about what you're doing a little more, please. Yeah. Yeah. Simon, not just overall, not looking good no no um can we talk about something big and powerful that's like the opposite of simon for a second Mm -hmm. why is it in a lot of fantasy books this one is the one i'm going to use as an example there is a dragon somewhere it's causing a lot of problems one dude with a cool sword takes care of the dragon what what like I feel like your rate of success for dealing with a dragon is so much higher if you, like, get together as a town and are like, all right, what could we build to take out this mm. dragon? Anybody got trebuchet knowledge? Any trebucheters out here we could get to work 
on some cool trebuchets. Because we have basically all the time in the world. The dragon is just sitting in the castle. And sure, it's terrorizing right. the local countryside. But, like, it doesn't have engineering knowledge. It can't organize. Like, there's way more of us than there is one dragon. So, like, let's get together and figure out how to solve this problem. No, no, no. Just wait for a guy with a cool sword to come by and he'll slay it or whatever. Oh, man, this is a good point. Because John, it sounds like, slayed the dragon. And then that's why he's kind of a big deal. Right. It's seemingly single-handedly. It sounds that way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Because especially if... Okay, this is assuming that there is like a societal value in killing the dragon mm-hmm. and not like just a, a level of like honor gained by doing it. Sure. Sure, but I guess depending on that, like, you could just be seen as a psycho for going into a wild animal's lair and murdering it for no reason. Right, but I mean, but I mean, like, you gain a level of, like, fame by being, by, like, killing a dragon. Yeah, sure. Right? And if you don't have, like, a separate reward system, or not reward system, but, like, reason for doing it... <laughs> Then, 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 like you wouldn't team up to just like go kill it, right? It's you're saying it's like I will say I, I think in this context it's like they're getting their castle back, so it like actually does seem like something that they should have band together to do a while ago. Mm -hmm. My, I have one potential solution to this problem, but it only works in certain specific cases. So, let's. I, I feel like a lot of dragons have a hoard of treasure. And I feel like this yeah. could be the source of division among people when trying to band together. Is like, sure, if the dragon was just like a natural disaster that people were trying to avoid, it'd be much easier to organize. But the fact that there is a reward to be had after killing the dragon fractures people because they're like, how are we going to divide up the treasure? And it's like, well, I designed the trebuchets, so I should get 30%. Right. It's like, what are you talking about, 30%? And then they argue... <laughs> for the end of time about how to divide up the dragon horde. Meanwhile, somebody comes in with a sword and is like, I'll just kill it. Right. Sure. Yeah. I, I can, I can, I can see that. I, I feel like we're getting into very generalized stuff, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But like, I just don't, how does one person kill a dragon? This is why I was trying to figure this out because like, how like I've done it in dark souls, but that was unrealistic. Right, this is a fantasy book. We need some realism here, please. Right. No, but I I think the reason why I was even wondering this is, like, if one person with a, even a slightly magical sword can do it, like, 20 people, I feel like, would have a way better shot. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, uh, you don't need any especially, magic. Especially with engineering, like... Right, you know where the tools. dragon is. You can design a bunch of traps and clever things just bring in one of those big uh like arrow launching things not trebuchets but the you know what i'm talking about a rail gun yeah <laughs> exactly i know a grenade even <laughs> yeah i um, i don't know look i don't know what's going on here with all these dragons and because here's the I'll tell you honestly why I was thinking this. It was because they buried this sword that he slayed the dragon with. And if one man can slay a dragon with one sword, that sword is incredible. 
what are you doing burying that sword? Right. Because the range of how good a dude is at fighting a dragon, I think, is fairly narrow. Like, the best fighter of a dragon is not going to be that much better than the worst fighter of a dragon. Because it's a dragon, right? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. saying the best uh, chipmunk to fight an elephant. Like, sure, maybe you could have a really good chipmunk that's good at fighting elephants, but they're both going to get smushed. Right. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like there is, like, I have to assume a ton of luck involved. But since we are in, like, this world where seemingly, now that we've heard more about it, there are swords that can have, like, I don't know what they are yet, but, like, the new one seems really cool. Mm -hmm. So there's a level of, like, cool swords that you can have. And so this was kind of my last note, which was, why are we just, why are we sending so much valuable stuff with the dead king? The sword is an obvious one, Mm -hmm. but I will say there's a little hint here. I think that Elias and the evil priest were doing something with this sword to like, because, because Elias doesn't want to touch it. Right. 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 But like the sword goes with them. Every single person seems to be giving him, like, super valuable, like, weapons and things. Mm-hmm. And I know symbolically why we're doing it, but come on. Well, it also demonstrates the power of these different regions, right? It's a way of yeah. displaying their wealth if they can be like, yeah, I can just throw this away. It's fine. I guess. Which I think is why it shows the immense pragmatism of certain, like, people in this world when, like, Buddy shows up with his old war boots and puts them on the king's feet. And he's like, this is my gift. And brilliant maneuver because one, those are like, sure, you could probably sell them on eBay, but otherwise they don't have any practical value to you. And two, very good emotional move. Everybody's everybody's weeping when you put the shoes on because it's like, wow, that's incredible. Assuming that they know what they are, though. Okay, because... Because I don't, I don't think it's a hundred percent clear unless he's telling people. You're saying everybody at the funeral is watching some guy just come out of the crowd with a pair of old shoes, a pair of old Reeboks, They're like some old ratty boots, and he laces them up on the king and double knots them, and is like, mm, "Good, this is for when you run to heaven." <laughs> Right. So I'm picturing him walking down and he's like turning to people and he's like, these are his old boots. These ones? Yeah, his old boots. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. These are these are his old boots, actually. They're his. You get it? He's he's given a little speech when he gets up there. Oh, man. The king and I had so many great memories of walking down dusty trails with these here boots, clicking them together a little bit. Specifically these ones. Went through a lot of mud. Oh, man. These boots right here. They've seen things. I'll this, tell you what. You see this stain right here? Here's a story about it. I'll tell you later. Because you can't. You can't just walk down and put boots on. I will say they left him barefoot. But I was thinking that was like a ritual thing, you know? Right. I thought it was... Initially, when they left him barefoot, I was like, oh, this is like so the dead can walk like with their bodies on the earth to hell or wherever they're going. Yeah. So 
I think they kind of knew it was coming, but maybe not. Maybe he is just disrupting this ritual to be like, no, 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 he's going to wear boots. <laughs> I forgot to bring a gift, so I, yeah, I'm going to put some boots on him. Right. It's, it, it is a good gift. Um, <clears throat> Luke, I know in the past we've talked about appreciating when books talk about the people who like books being cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a bit of a turn here and say I'm sick of it. I feel like that's was I feel like that's what you were saying. No, I Well, okay, okay, okay. To be I think previously we had we had appreciated it but had admitted that it was kind of pandering. Oh, had we? I think you're right. I think so. That sounds very familiar. We've been doing this for too long, folks, cuz we <laughs> I'm sick of books telling us how great books are, okay? They're a little biased. It's a little bit much for me. At this point, I was just, like, done with it. We don't need to keep going because it sounds like we've done this rant before. But it's just, like, you're a little biased, book, telling me how great books are. <laughs> I'm kind of done with it. I do I do appreciate the, the, the specific angle that you've taken. Because I think previously we talked about the author pandering to the reader. And now, now you're talking about the book pandering to books. Yeah. Books like, oh, books are magical. They're so cool. They're fantastic. Forget magic. You have a book. And it's like, I don't... Book, you're a little biased. <laughs> I love it. Totally agree, I'm though. Just, I'm kind of sick of the propaganda. I know. Um, I know. Books overrated, is what, is what you're saying. Completely, yeah. Uh, I want to end us... I want to bring us full circle here and talk about Simon from a different kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. So the doctor's in his is in his house. He knows some kind of scary shit's happening in town. He's trying to figure out what to do about it. He's sending out secret letters to folks and suddenly Simon bursts in and is like, "Hey, I found Joshua." And the doctor's like, "Oh. Oh, wait, you found him?" oh no all right all right we can work with this uh where is he just tell me and i'll go get him just just tell me oh no no no. there's a secret door i need to go with you oh you have to come with me (laughs) oh okay all right lead the way simon ha Mm. right and then they get back and he's like oh shoot simon's gonna have to go with him i can't go with him in the tunnel because i have to hold up i guess simon just go just just go. I'm just going to kill myself, I guess, or whatever, because I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work out. Yeah. How tough is this for Dr. Morganis right. to send Simon on this quest? To be like, yeah, Simon, the one who can't even sweep my house, is the one who's going on this quest. Oh, perfect. Because yeah. if you're choosing who you want to be the one helping you, Simon, pretty low on the list. Almost at the bottom. The jester is above Simon. Right. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I did note when he did this that I was expecting them to go, with, like, Simon to go with Joshua. Uh-huh. Because he's still, like, super weak. <laughs> they pulled him out of a cell. He gave him a shot of fireball and was like, yeah, go home. Dude, yeah, I imagine he's like, hey, can, like, I would really, like this strapping young lad to help me (laughs) the doctor is like no you don't (laughs) 
you're saying <laughs> you're saying the reason why Simon didn't go with them is that the doctor was like, no, I definitely don't want Simon to go. <laughs> yeah. And at Joshua the... asked. Joshua wanted him to come. For sure, I think. Oh yes, and the doctor was like, you really don't want him to come. <laughs> Because when you think about it from from my guy Josh's perspective, which is what I'm going to call him, yeah. even though that's I don't think that's his name. It's like, here's a boy that came with the doctor and saved you and like carried you up some ladders and did a great job. Mm-hmm. And now like you're limping along, could probably use some kind of physical help. Yeah. He ha- He asked for sure. Yeah, he did. He did 100%. Yeah. And also, it's going to be a kind of a long journey. Somebody to carry like a mm-hmm. pack with food in it would be really nice. Right. Or you've been alone in a cell for a really long time. Love to have a chat. Be nice. Some companionship. Mm-hmm. But not with Simon. How do you... Th- okay, so he asked the doctor. He asked Dr. Morganis. He was like, hey, that kid, he can come with me, right? He do- Does he have anything important to do here? What What is the doctor saying in this case? Is he just like, mm, nah. I don't think he's just saying nah. I think he's like, well, he's got some important work to do. He's kind of my yeah, apprentice. I, I mean, he does give, he does tell Simon, like, you have to act like things are normal. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that this is the same ex- reason he gives too. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's for sure it. That Simon is so important. If he disappeared, everyone would freak out about it right right he is he is the linchpin of the entire society and if he's gone people will notice this is so true i was wondering about this the whole time of like why does simon have to act normal who's gonna suspect simon of anything yeah okay yeah that's what happens for sure god oh the doctor's spirit has got to be just so nervous right now. For sure. He's For like, sure. That kid, he did a great job, though. I don't know. He set him on his way. We'll see what happens in uh, in the next part of this book. But mm-hmm. from what we've seen so far, I don't know if a journey through the darkness is going to be all it takes for uh, Simon to get up to speed here. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we we will see. We'll see, in fact, next week when we're back with Hot Takes. Being dumb nerds. <laughs> <laughs>